Hey guys, this is Arlo with the Dabbling in Discomfort podcast, where we strive to help you live a life outside of your comfort zone. And this is episode five. I'm here with my friend, Tractor Baptist. And Tractor is a power lifter who holds an all-time world record in the squat. Yes, sir. How heavy was that? Uh, 1,311 pounds. Jeez. Second person ever to squat over 1,300 um, this is the second time I've held the all-time world record. The first time was at 12.78. That is awesome. Yeah. And how long ago was 12.78? That was two or three years ago? Uh, when was that? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yep. Nice. I was trying to be the first of 13, but a guy out of Florida beat me. So. <laughs> and then he was talking smack the day you broke the record, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah, he had put up uh, a post on his Instagram about how much money is it going to take to have somebody come and break my record and <laughs> the day he posted that I broke his record and he, he probably didn't pay anything huh no of course not <laughs> I expect royalties yeah absolutely so it's kind of funny tractor a power lifter perfect power lifting name I literally <laughs> knew you for years before I realized your real name wasn't tractor <laughs> right <laughs> so I mean you were always just tractor but yeah uh, I still have friends to this day that don't know my real name. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, and it's Nathan, right? Yeah, right. it's Nathan. Nathan Tractor Baptist. Yep. Where did Where did Tractor come from? Uh, so I was working at a local watering hole, and <laughs> I used to uh, clear a lane for all of our waitresses. Okay. So they called me Tractor because I would just plow the way. <laughs> That is awesome. I had no idea. I, yeah. assumed, I assumed that, too, was powerlifting or football-related. Yeah, no. But well, instead, it was the watering hole. <clears throat> yeah, so I was actually playing football in Casper, Wyoming. Okay. A little later after I got the nickname, right? Yeah. And I was at a baseball game, and this nice gentleman comes up to me and said, Son, you're big enough to eat hay and crap in the street. You know that, right? <laughs> and I just kind of sat there and went, Well, I don't know if I should be mad <laughs> or if I should take it as a compliment. Oh, so, yeah, funny. I've been big my whole life. Yeah, whole life, huh? Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about your childhood. Did you grow up around here? No, so I actually grew up in California. In California. Yeah, so okay. I grew up in a small town called Lincoln. I was born in Carmichael. Um, I moved to Utah in the fifth grade. Oh, okay, so yeah. you've been here a long time. Yeah, I've been here a long time. Utah is pretty much home. Yeah. I really have no urge to go back to California. I mean, right. I have family out there that I love to see, uh-huh. but as far as living out there, no thank you. Yeah. Were you, uh, so I know you played football later on. What did you do as, as a little kid growing up? Oh, uh, man. Play we, sports, have hobbies? We played sports. We played everything. Everything, so, okay. T-ball, basketball, soccer. We were like city league champs like three or four years. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. we were we were super busy. And then my sister played softball and volleyball, so we were always busy with her sports too. So okay. we've just been a very ath- big and athletic family. Yeah, yeah. So, Whole family big? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my dad's bigger than I am, but we weigh almost the same. But I just carry a lot more mass. Okay. I'm still in the gym. Yeah, right, right. <clears throat> my dad played college football for a couple of years, and oh, okay. Found out we were on the way, and decided to buck up and be the family man. So, <laughs> which you know, I wouldn't be who I am today without him. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely thankful he made that decision for sure. I know he's. He's proud of you. I see him boast after all your big lifts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he gets in fights with people on the internet, too. 
I'm like, Dad, you have to remember, these guys don't actually care. They just want to get a rise out of you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it seems to be easy to do on the internet. No, get a rise out of somebody. Everybody's a keyboard warrior. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you have any influences in your life? Like your your dad, I imagine, other... Yeah, so dad was a big influence growing up, heroes, right? Yeah. Like, um, hearing all of his stories of lifting weights and playing football and doing all that stuff, like I wanted to be big and strong just like him. Nice. And then when I uh, was playing football, Jeff Saturday, the old center for the, pa- the Packers. Okay. <clears throat> he was one of my, you know, best linemen watching him play. He uh, played at Indy for a lot of years and then came over and was a Packer for a while. Larry Allen, offensive tackle for the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. And then Reggie White, the defensive end yeah. for Green Bay, like... Watching just big physical men be big physical men was just like, that's what I want to be. Right, right. So, and then when I graduated high school, I played uh, played eight years of men's football in the rec league out here. Okay. We went 82-2. and two. Jeez. Yeah. It's <laughs> a pretty good record. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, played with the, uh, the South Ogden Rhino Raiders in the Rocky Mountain Football League and the Far West Football Association, and then we... Uh, Got done with that. I was playing indoor in the rec league down in Salt Lake. Yeah. <clears throat> and a team from Casper, Wyoming called and says, hey, we're an indoor team. We're Arena 2. We want you to come up and play for our annual 4th of July game because the team that we were supposed to play forfeited. Okay. So they pile a bunch of us in a charter bus and send us up there, and we got our butts kicked. <laughs> I think it was like 85 to 4 or something like oh, that. Wow. It was something stupid. <laughs> And then I was talking to the head coach, and he's like, hey, my center's leaving next year. I need a center. Do you want to come play? Uh-huh. So that's how I got picked up and played in Casper. Okay. So then I lived there for a year, and that was a rough life, let me tell you. <laughs> Sleeping in until 11 o'clock, the maid knocks on your door. You get up. You get dressed. You shower, right? Yeah. You go to the office, and you play video games till 6 o'clock. Practice is <laughs> at 6.30. Then you get done practice. You go lift. Go find dinner, go back to the office, play video games till one or two in the morning. Nice. And then uh, wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> sounds sounds ideal for a. I mean, it was a rough life. <laughs> I mean, you know. And then my next two seasons up there, they allowed me to stay home and work a full time job, and then just travel for the games. And then so you just commuted. Yeah, I just wow. I travel up on Saturday or Fridays and stay uh-huh. the night, play the game Saturday, drive home Sunday. Nice. And then when I got done with that, came back and played two more years in the men's rec league. Okay. And won back-to-back championships with them. It was the Utah Stealth. Played for them for a while. Uh-huh. And then decided that I didn't want to play football anymore. Okay. Because I was tired of waking up on Sunday, or Sunday feeling like I wrestled a freight train. <laughs> so, but now I power lift. And, you don't wake up that way anymore? No, I power lift. I feel that way all the time, right? It's not, it's not like I just wake up one day now. It's, it's, it's that way all the time. time. I yeah. got you. <laughs> But uh, what uh, what led you into powerlifting? From I mean, it's, it seems like a fairly natural progression. Progression, but yeah. So I uh, I had taken some college classes up at Weber State, and Dave Edmondson was and one of the instructors up there. Crazy Dave. Yeah, That's great, crazy Dave, little guy, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 One of the nicest guys you'll ever Dave. meet. He'll give you the shirt off his back, man. Uh-huh. I love that dude. So anyways, I signed up for strength and conditioning, one, because I wanted to have a dedicated gym hour in college. Oh, smart. 
So <laughs> we go in there and we do the first day max out testings, and he goes, "Why are you in strength one?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, because that was the only thing I could sign up for. I couldn't uh, sign up for like strength six or whatever." Right, was. right. And he goes, "All right, well, you're with me then." <laughs> and so he was still competing in powerlifting. Okay, and so oh, he's nice. the one that actually got me started. Oh. In Right on. So that was back in 06. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, went with him to Worlds for Wobdell and benched a junior national record, world uh-huh. record, 479.5 as a junior. Wow. And then uh, I left, went and played arena football, and then came back. And then my one of my other coaches, Jason Gibson, who owns PSM Barbell, the gym I train at now. He called me and says, hey, I'm hosting a meet. I want you to come help spot and load because I know you're a big guy and you know what you're doing. <laughs> so he and I got to talking again, and he was like, why don't you come back and train? Nice. So that was, what, eight, nine years ago? Okay. And I've been with him ever since. Four Very days cool. a week. Was that when you when PSM was in Roy? Yeah, initially. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's where I met you is is through uh, through Mori Academy and when you guys were sharing a building. Yeah, down in the basement. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good times. So it seems like it's so long ago. I mean, it does seem like forever ago, <laughs> for sure. So you've only been so you've been powerlifting competitively for nine years. Then yeah, okay, yeah, nine years. I'd say you've accomplished a lot in nine years. Yeah, actually, like <laughs> at the time, Coach was the only one to have squatted over a thousand pounds in Utah. Now everybody there does pretty much. Yeah, we've got four. <laughs> we've had four that have done that it. So him, wild. you, and Mick Manalis, oh, okay. me, and Brandon. And Brandon. Yep. And then Brandon and I are the. I was the first to eleven out of Utah. Brandon's okay. the second, both out of the same gym. That's awesome. I was the first of twelve out of Utah, and. If we can get Brandon just a bit stronger, I think he's yeah. going to be the next to do 12. Nice. So that'll be fun to watch him get. Because he's still in his 20s. That's wild. You know, with yeah, powerlifting, yeah, yeah. you really don't mature until you're in your mid-30s. Uh-huh. You know? They call that that old man strength. Old man strength, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like I'm stronger now than I've ever been. Right. Slo- well, slower, and I recover way slower. But That's the other part, right? <laughs> He's got 10, I've got 10 years on him. Uh-huh. So we go through workouts, and he's like, oh, I'm okay. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel like <laughs> I wrestled a bear. Oh. It takes me a lot longer to recover. Right, right. So. We, uh, so I played club volleyball in college. Uh-huh. And afterwards, here here in Utah, you could still sign up for tournaments, for the club college tournaments, because uh-huh. they're trying to, each club's trying to raise money, and they'll probably let whoever play I don't know but, but so so a bunch of us that I used to play with at Weber and we picked up a couple of other guys we would go and play these college tournaments okay and my wife would always laugh at me because in between games you have these college kids that are trying to dunk the volleyball and and we're all like on the floor rubbing icy hot and taking ibuprofen and, and she thought it was hilarious because we're all broken and they're and they're we still played fairly well but, oh yeah but in between matches, it was all about trying to feel good enough to play the next one. <laughs> <laughs> to keep the morale high yeah. enough to say, all right, we got one more in me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that one. Uh, yeah. Um, 
So interestingly enough, Turkish get-ups have kind of been my thing for a while now, where where I love doing Turkish get-ups and heavy Turkish get-ups. Right. And you probably have no idea this, but you were one of the influences of that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> How was that? So, there, I can't remember if it was a video or if somebody told me about it of you you doing a Turkish get-up with a person. Oh, yeah. I've done it with a couple people back when I was actually flexible. Yeah, exactly. And I think I, I must have seen a video or something or somebody was telling me about it, Eddie, or, or someone was telling me about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so Randy and, and so Patty, I had never... that, Randy and Patty, the people that owned the building, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. their daughter, Brandy, okay. was like 90 pounds soaking wet. Oh, right? nice. And I'm like, I wonder if I could do that with you. <laughs> so we did it in the gym, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, That's so that funny. was... I didn't know that. that. Yep. I didn't think you probably did, but that was where I started doing heavier Turkish get-ups. I'm like, I think I could do it with a person. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, your kettlebells outside are as big as a house. People are easier, honestly, than those kettlebells. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Um, They're a little squishy. Yeah, right, right. Yep, yep. A little softer when you drop them on the table. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, anyway, that actually one thing I wanted to talk about, and I've I've heard different opinions on this. Okay. And that the general consensus from a lot of coaches that I've talked to is that when you're when you're lifting, you should, or other things, but but lifting. In particular, that you should compete against yourself and not care about what other people are doing. That's the motto in our gym. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. I tell every new athlete we get in the gym. Yeah. Don't look at our board Uh because you're going to see coaches 1,030 squat. (laughs) Right, right. Brandon's 1,100-pound squat, my 1,300-pound squat, and go, I'm out. I got to go. Right? So it's really like the only person you have to worry about competing against is yourself. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. powerlifting, it's an individual, it's a team sport, right? But you compete uh, individually, right? Yeah. Now, as long as you're getting better than right. what you did last time and continue to break your own records, uh-huh. eventually you're breaking everybody else's too. Nice. So literally just focus on you getting better and making uh-huh. your incremental improvements. The rest of it will fall into place. Cool. I thought you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> so when you are when you're setting world records like you have done multiple times, is it still that way, or do you start to focus a little more on what other people have done? No, really. Or do you like, always stay that. So always the, competing against yourself. That's the biggest thing, right? Like I'm not there to compete against anybody else. I I lift. Okay. The reason why I actually got into powerlifting was it was like it gave me something to train towards. Uh-huh. Right. Right. As big as I am, going to the gym and just lifting weights, yeah, like it's fun, but it does. It's not very sustainable mentally for me. Okay. Right, right, right. Because it's like, what am I trying to do? Am I trying to get in shape? Like, what's my end goal? Right. Yeah. And it's like I know that I'm never going to have a six pack. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, I will on the weekends, but. <laughs> 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 but it's one of those things where it's like, for me, it's like I know I'm never going to be. The swim trunk model, uh-huh. right? Um, I'm too big. I don't have the shape. So it's like, well, how much can I lift? And then when coach was like, yeah, come back. Okay. So it's given me purpose to go lift every day. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it yeah. gives me purpose to get into the gym because, like, I was supposed to compete this last weekend at FitCon. Right, right. Recently had an injury, you know, haven't been able to compete. But 
you know, I have 2,700, 2,800 pound total in my mind that I can go do that. Nice. So that's my next goal is to try okay. to do 27 or 2,800 pounds. That's, that's yeah. my next goal, right? Now it's, is the body going to hold up for it, right? Right, right. And so I've had some long conversations with my team and my coach and, you know, we've made some adjustments to training and some diet, sleep. Uh-huh. You know, if we're trying to get a few things dialed in so that I can recover a little better, so I'm not as beat up in between training sessions. Yeah. And I think, like, looking at it, right, <clears throat> as heavy as I go, I need more time than than most people to recover. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So right. going heavy once every other week at a max effort work may work better than going max effort every Friday. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Sense. I mean, these are things that we're talking about. Uh-huh. So we'll just see what it's going to take to get me there. Yeah. And if I can pull some body weight off, then the deadlift will get better, which is my weaker event. Okay. So I pull 700 pounds now. Uh-huh. And if I can get down 50, 60 pounds, that's 50, 60 pounds I can put on the bar. Ah. So. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Because now I'm in better position, right? Uh-huh. So my leverage has changed. Now, is that going to hurt the squat or the bench? I don't know. We'll see. Right, right. right. But I've got to do something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that I'm motivated by what other people do more than I should be. Yeah, why is <laughs> that's, that? That's why it came up with when you lifted somebody with a Turkish get-up. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can. I, do I bet that. I can do that. <laughs> I bet I can do that. <laughs> and it, and and I am. I mean, I I definitely am always trying to improve on my own, like everything that I can do and trying to make that better and make incremental changes. But I, but I'm also definitely motivated by seeing what other people do. Right. And being like, I wonder, I wonder if I could pull that off. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. like there's no competition for Turkish get-ups, right? Right. right. If there yeah. were, I think that would change your mentality on them. Yeah. Right. Maybe. But you don't have a comp to see how you're doing better. Uh-huh. So it really does make sense that you go, Oh, I bet you I can do that or I can try that. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, like I, I don't think that that's a bad thing to be motivated by what other people do. Uh And here's the thing: when other people break your record, you're like, you, all right. (laughs) It just makes you motivated to work a little harder. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's just put the throttle down and and get a little fire going and and go that way. But I try not to let what anybody else has done. Influence me now. You know there are sometimes that people say things or post things or do things, and you're like, "All right, <laughs> time to go to work." Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, trying to remember what I was going to say. It was some. It was something along that lines, but I don't remember it. So we'll go ahead and move on. Okay. Um, <laughs> you taught. You talked about how uh, about going max effort maybe every couple of weeks instead of every week and right. and how much time you take between or how much time you need to recover between sessions. Yeah. You guys train, is it five days a week? Six four days, days a week. week. Four days a week. Yeah, four days a week. Okay. Yeah, but, so but it's have, like, oh, go ahead. We have a heavy bench. We do heavy upper on Monday and heavy lower on Friday. 
Oh, and then okay. we kind of follow the West Side Conjugate platform. Yeah, yeah. But we've mixed a lot of other things in with it too. So heavy Monday, upper body, heavy lower on Friday, and then dynamic effort lower on Tuesday, uh-huh. and dynamic effort upper on Thursday with a Wednesday off. Okay. Do you that, have a a repetitive like a an RE day repetitive effort? Is that what it's called? So you have dynamic effort, you have max effort. Yeah. Is so there another one too where it's just kind of high reps, or is that just all accessory stuff on the other days? Um, no. So we can use some of those higher rep volume days as dynamic effort days. Oh, okay. You can actually even use them as a max effort if you really, if you do it right. Yeah. Right, because you're just trying to push to failure, which is a maximum effort, right? Right, right. So they call it the repetitious method. Yeah. Where it's just. Reps on reps on reps on reps on reps uh-huh. until you basically see Jesus, give him a high five, and then come back. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> those are those are horrible days. <laughs> no. Those are not my favorite. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, those are definitely not my favorite. But, you know, all phases of training makes it better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so that being said, that days like that really, really suck. Mm-hmm. Do you see beyond the benefit of obviously like the 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 volume? Do you see benefit to having days like that where you're just challenging yourself and every part of you screaming to stop or whatever? whatever where yeah, like the, is there a, is there a mental mental aspect to that that you feel makes you better or you know I used to mentally be tougher on days like that okay right when i was younger because uh-huh. it was like feed me the world and i'll go chase it down right? yeah nowadays i'm like you know <laughs> <laughs> really but i mean there th- those days like that right are days uh-huh. that you need in your training to break things up okay because if right. your body gets too accustomed to doing heavy loads right right then you actually slow down Oh, that makes sense. So, and the biggest thing I've always, that stuck with me is something that Louis Simmons used to say all the time, is you can't move heavy weights slow. Uh You can't, right? Right. You have to move them with a lot of velocity or a lot of force, right? So, how do you keep your body moving fast, Right. Uh-huh. It's not lifting heavy weights all the time. Right, right. It's mixing in those dynamic days and those those repetitious days. Plus, it's good, too, because it's like when we, we move in those high phases of training like that, it gets a lot of blood into the connective tissues. Yeah. So that yeah. way your tendons and your elbows and your knees and, you know, your joints, they tend to take out some of that inflammation because it's not heavy anymore. Okay. Right? Right. You're right. kind of pushing some of that blood flow through those areas. Yeah. Because it's not heavy enough to hurt you. Uh-huh. It's just heavy enough to, to gash you. Right. You know? So, that's kind of the the benefit of those type of workouts. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so, the, the overall theme of my podcast is is kind of along the lines of getting getting comfortable being uncomfortable and doing challenging things and, and that, uh, that that's where we see growth is mm-hmm. doing, doing challenging things. 
um, and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And that's pretty much every part of powerlifting, right? Oh, yeah. Another <laughs> thing you'll hear us say all the time is you have to embrace the suck. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, benching and equipment in a bench shirt, right? Yeah. Is not the most fun thing to do okay. at times, right? Because it feels like it's trying to crack your chest in half. Your triceps feel like they're going to get cut in half by the shirt. Your forearms feel like they're going to snap, right? <laughs> and you're just trying to get this bar to touch your belly uh-huh. so that you can get your up command so that you can rack it and get out from underneath it, okay. right? Yeah. So, but you have to be comfortable in that bottom position where you're at. Yeah. If you're not, and you're going to rush it and you're going to make a mistake. Right? Same thing like in the squat, right? In the bottom of a squat, if you're not patient, if you're not in the right position, especially at the weights that I lift, that's bad news for everybody around you, mm-hmm. not just you, right? Uh-huh. So you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And Coach preaches that in our gym. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right, right. And the thing is, is it's like being uncomfortable in the gym allows you to take that same kind of toughness outside of the gym. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We have people that come in that start at entry-level jobs, Uh and they train for a few months, and they're getting promotions. Right, they realize that the job isn't so bad, work doesn't suck as bad as I thought it did, because the gym sucks even uh, worse sometimes. Right, uh-huh. so you, they develop that mental toughness to, and they take that in other aspects of their life. Right, right like they get right. promoted in work, they're doing better in their marriages. Right, like all these other things are getting better because they've just to learn it's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah, right, embrace the suck. Like it's just part of life. You're gonna have to do it. So. Nice. Um, and you guys are like super dedicated, right? Anybody that's lifting there. So it's, it seems like to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, but you guys lift four days a week. Uh-huh. And you'd better be there. Yep. If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're on the team, you're there. You don't train there unless you're on the team. Oh, okay, okay. Right? So right. we're a private facility. It's uh-huh. invite only, right? Like... We don't, all of our team members have lockers. They don't have gym bags. Okay. Right? Yeah. We don't allow anybody to train anywhere else. If you want to go train somewhere else, take your shit, take your stuff and go. Right? Uh-huh. So, if you're there, you're there to learn. Yeah. You're there to help. You're there to load. You're there to coach. And we all train at the same time. Uh-huh. A lot of other gyms allow people to come in whenever they want. Yeah. Train uh-huh. however they want. Right? And then... When they all go to the comp, there's nobody there to help them. Right, right. Right? They don't have a team. There's nobody, like, you know, there was a couple guys that were there that trained a few facilities that they say, oh, we're team this or we're team that, right? Uh-huh. And then come competition day, nobody from their gym shows up to help them. Ha. Uh-huh. Like, if we have one athlete competing, yeah, we're there. Yeah. If we yeah. have everybody competing... Everybody shows up. That's awesome. That's just how we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's so much benefit to that. Um, and, and I think that's why you have four guys at your gym that have squatted over a 1,000 pounds, right? Yeah, and you better be careful because that junior, right? Uh-huh. The junior we've got coming, he'll be the next. He'll be number five. Wow. So. 
That is he awesome. just hit 824 and just took the USPA national or world record for juniors uh-huh. in multiply at 825 at 23. That is crazy. So once he kind of figures out a couple more things, we get him a little bit stronger in a couple more areas. I think he'll yeah. be the next to knock over a thousand. Sounds like it. Yep. And our women are doing killer, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Laura, I mean, bless her heart, she came in and her squat looked like a dog trying to pass a peach pit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and now, I mean, she's uh, squatting over 300 and just breathes, wow. you know? And, and she's, she's fairly new, right? She hasn't. She's only been with us about a year, a okay, little over yeah, a year, yeah, right? Yeah. And then uh, Kristen, we all call her Karen because she's kind of a Karen, right? <laughs> She's our 148, 165-er for the women, and she's right. squatting in the fours. That is so crazy. She'll be the next girl to squat over five. I actually think wow. she might be the lightest female in Utah uh-huh. that we can get to squat over five. Yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. sure, right? But at 148, 165, going over 500 pounds, that's a big squat for her. That's, yeah, man, that's insane. Yeah. That is awesome. So. I would be happy going over five. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So we've got we've got some girls that are coming up that are doing some pretty big things. Uh-huh. The guys are just hammering away, and yeah. you know, I mean, I think Ed did uh, what two times, ten times body weight again this weekend over a fitcon. Wow! So I mean, anywhere on our board, man, there's there's no there's no open spaces on the men's board. Uh-huh. It's all full, and they're all hard numbers. They're all hard fun. Right, numbers. right. Hmm. Um, I've, I've been thinking about quite, quite a bit. So, and I, I'm going to relate it to martial arts cause they're, <laughs> cause that's what I do. That's right? your thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you're talking about people at your gym, don't train anywhere else. Yep. There's a, there's a huge push against, um, among martial artists and including a, a ton of my friends that, think you should train with as many different people as possible so you you learn new things and you get um you get exposure to what other people are doing and my coach as i'm sure you know is is totally opposite of that like (laughs) if you're competing for him you don't train anywhere else right (laughs) and and i so there's always this this conflict here where where you'll get people at the gym that want to train other places with their friends and, yep. and whatever. And, and I, I kind of get it. And at a recreational level, um, maybe it's all right. But you'll, you'll also see really competitive people who, who think that's the way to go because you can learn something from everyone. Well, but taking my experience like as a strength and conditioning coach, uh-huh. I think about when I have someone that I'm coaching and I have a plan for them, mm-hmm. and they come and tell me, okay, great, I want to work out with you, but I'm also going to be doing this from whoever. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, well, that screws with everything that I'm doing. Right? Exactly, right? <laughs> so think about it, right? So like in martial arts world, right, mm-hmm. like jujitsu, you're going to want to face as many different opponents as you can, uh-huh. right? Because everybody is going to present a move a different way. Yeah. And the more times you can experience that, the better off you're going to be to defend it. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, 
when you're in the strength and conditioning world or in the powerlifting world, it's not just an eight-week training cycle. Yeah. It's a multi-year cycle. Right, right. Okay. So, like you said, it's frustrating because you can't build on anything because... Let's have you go ahead and turn over. We're just we're just having tractor flip over. So this we're actually recording the podcast while he gets a massage, which is something we've never done before. But but I think it's working. I think we're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So like going back to strength and conditioning, right? Like it's a multi-year training cycle. Coach can't control my volume uh-huh. if I'm not in his gym. Right. Right. Yeah. He has a very specific training method that he wants us to do. And if I go too much volume, we talk about recovery. Yeah. I can't recover if I'm overtraining because I want to go train with my buddy. Uh-huh. Right? right, right. I don't know how many times guys are like, well, can you teach me this? Yeah, come to the gym. Well, why can't you come where I'm at? Because uh-huh. <laughs> I don't train anywhere where I'm not supposed to be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So... It, it's very conflicting, right? Recreation. Uh-huh. And here's the thing. A lot of raw lifters, okay, they don't need a team. Okay. Okay? Because they don't have to have somebody help them put their briefs on. Yeah. They don't have yeah. to have somebody help them put their bench shirts on or their deadlift suit on. Right? Uh-huh. They just put a belt on, pull up their knee sleeves, and wrap their wrists and go have a good time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Where me, it's like, it takes an army to get me out of my stuff. I bet. (laughs) So, with them, I don't feel like some of them are as serious Uh as the geared lifters, right? It's I I don't want to, like, piss anybody off, right? Right, right. But it's like, (laughs) it's like, yeah, you can lift at Vasa. You Uh can lift at Gold's Gym, right? You can lift at Planet Fitness if they allow you to, for heck's sakes, right? <laughs> you Chances know, are slim. Yeah, one of those little <laughs> 24-hour facilities, right? Like, uh-huh. you can train on your own. You don't need mm. anybody. So it doesn't matter where you train, right? Uh-huh. In geared lifting, especially, like, they, I rely on my team as much as they rely on me to be there, yeah, right? Yeah. And so if I go, hey, guys... I'm going to go train over at this gym for a couple weeks, and then I'll be back. Uh That would not fly at all in our gym. Right. Because you're not there to help your team, right? Yeah, yeah. And I've seen too many athletes bounce between different gyms, Mm -hmm. and some of them have success, and some of them struggle. Uh And it's who's the most consistent with their training. And... If you have a good coach, they keep you very consistent with your training. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's the same for jiu-jitsu. For sure. Like, I don't have a problem with with the way Eddie doesn't let people train at other gyms if they're comp- competing for him. Right. And some coaches take the totally different approach. Where, <laughs> but, um, but it. I mean, it produces results. Like he. He's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. and Well, Amy's the best in the world, isn't she? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it obviously it's, shows, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah, He's put a lot of work into her, and she has uh-huh. not wavered from his training at right, all. Right, Yep. And it's, oh, that's painful. Sorry. You're okay. <laughs> Discomfort. 
Just embrace the suck. <laughs> this this is why why we planned it this way. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's right down the rib cage. Right oh yeah, that's a new one. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know that I would have the success if I was anywhere else. Right, right. You know. Yeah. At one point in time, after I so I missed, I missed eleven fifty. Uh-huh. In the squat. No, I had just squatted twelve hundred pounds and I got home. And I get a text message from a guy that trained out at Westside. And he goes, What's it gonna take to get you out here? <laughs> and I'm like, Well, honestly nothing. Right? Because uh-huh. I mean, am I absolutely flabbergasted that I have an invite out to Westside to go train? Yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's like the mecca of powerlifting right. at one point, right? But my coach got me to 1,200. Yeah. Right? Why would I leave him For sure. and go train somewhere else, break the all-time record there, and then have him say, oh, well, the only reason why he broke the record is because he went to Westside. Yeah. <laughs> right? No. Yep. I broke yeah, the yeah. record because I've stayed with my coach for the last nine years. Uh-huh. Right? And have just dedicated everything to training. Yeah, I... I don't know. I'm kind of more of the, you stay in your gym. Yeah, yeah. Right? You build each other up. Yep. And then you go from there, right? I like it. Yeah. That was was painful. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get your ribs worked very much. No, at all. I don't think anybody's ever (laughs) ran their knuckles down my rib cage. At least anybody that still had teeth and smiled about it. <laughs> so when when you, what is your mindset when you when you go to a meet? Like, is it? I mean, obviously, especially with the the kind of weight you're under, the focus has to be one hundred percent. I would imagine. Or, yeah, or it's and, not going to go. Yeah, so it's like going into a contest, right? Like the day of the contest, or even mm-hmm. like weeks leading into it. The only thing I worry about is what my openers are. Okay. Right? My first attempt in each category, right? Squat, bench, and yeah, deadlift. All yeah, I yeah. worry about is my first attempt. Now, as I've gotten older and more experienced, right? Uh-huh. We have... Uh, we've looked at, okay, well, if openers go good, we'll jump here. Yeah. If openers go bad, we'll jump here. Okay. We'll make a smaller jump. Right, right. And then, so we'll kind of game plan, like first attempt, second attempt, and then third attempt really is, how did the second one go? Yeah. Right? If the second one feels like a house, then make a small jump. Uh-huh. You know? If it didn't feel heavy, go bigger. And we've used that my whole time. Okay. Through my whole career here at PSM. Yeah. Right? It's it's always been, focus on the openers, don't worry about anything else. Okay. Now, walking up to a big squat, right? Because that was the other part of the question. I don't worry about it uh-huh. because I've done all the prep leading up to it. Yeah, yeah. I've done everything I needed to to get myself ready for that. Uh-huh. Now, what happens, happens. Okay? I go underneath it. The only thing I'm focused on is the pick. So when you pick it up off the, yeah, off the yeah, monitor, yeah. right? That's the only thing I'm focused on. That's it. 
am I braced right? Are my elbows in the right position? Is the bar in the position on my back? Are my feet under the bar? Is my chest up? Do I have all my air, right? <laughs> That's the only thing I worry about. Okay. And then under the weight, it gets to a point where your brain just kind of shuts off. Huh. Because your body takes over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's that kind of that fight or flight response, right? right like right. it's so heavy that your body's like, get me out of here. Uh-huh. Mentally you're like, I gotta run for the hills, right? But your body's like, just chill out, you're fine. Yeah. You've done this before, just do what you're supposed to do. And then all I listen for is my up command from my handler. Okay. And that's it. Like, once I hear that, it's all gas, no brakes to the stand-up. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So you have, you have three judges Yep. when you're squatting, right? Yep. On all lifts, I have three oh, judges. On all lifts. So there's and one on each side. And does the, the person in front give the up command? No. So it's your handler. So you have people that oh, handle you, okay. right? Someone from your team? Yep, from your team. Okay. So they'll tell you when yeah. to come up, when you've squatted deep enough and uh-huh. come up, right? Got it. <sighs> Sorry. No, you're good. That's a little rough right there. Yeah. <sighs> um, yeah, but it's like it's like a hand that pulls you out of the darkness, right? I've said that a yeah. few times. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, like, it's like you're drowning, uh-huh. right? You're at the bottom of the pool, you're in a deep ocean, and you're drowning. And that up command is like somebody just plunging their hand uh, into the darkness and pulling you out of it. It's a weird experience to explain. Yeah. Because not a lot of people have pushed their body to that <laughs> right. point, right? Yes. And all lifters will experience it at some point, right? Like when mm. you take a max effort squat and you get into the bottom and you're kind of like, oh my goodness, it feels okay. like your eyeballs are going to blow out of your head, right? <laughs> It's the same feeling. It's just under 12, 1,300 pounds. Yeah. You yeah. know? So, yeah, and you can't you can't be afraid. Uh-huh. You can't be afraid. You just have to go do it. You say you failed once at 11.50? Yeah, so I was struggling to get to depth, and uh-huh. I uh, ran out of air. Oh, okay. I took too long to get down. I ran out of air. Uh-huh. So it was at Relentless, which is the big fundraising event that we do every year for the Hope Kids Foundation out in Minnesota. Yeah. And so my first year there, I opened with 950, 975, went 1,030, uh-huh. and then, or no, it was like 925, 1,003, and then 950, right? Okay. No. 1150. 1150. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was like 950, 1050, and then 1150 was my third. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I just ran out of air. I couldn't stand back up with it. I got about three quarters of the way up and had them take it because I was about to black out. So. And they can do that when it's. Yeah, that much I can weight. tell them to take it. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I just, I just mean they're physically capable of taking it from you. Yeah. Okay. It, so it's. I'm still underneath it. They okay. just help so lessen just, the load. They just help. Yeah, yeah they just help me get back up, right? Yeah. So, it's not like you're crumpling to the floor and they have to hold everything so no, it doesn't smash you. No, okay. no, 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 no. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy that held the Relentless record, uh-huh. it was at 1218. His name's Jeff Frank. He's a friend of mine. He goes, you remind me of my time, my first time at Relentless. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, I tried 1200 or 1150. Uh-huh. I tried 1150, my first Relentless, and I, I missed it. Hmm. 
He goes, and then I came back and squatted 12-12. Oh, nice. Or 12 uh-huh. So he held the relentless record at 12 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next year I went back, I opened at 1,000, 1,025. Okay. Jumped to like 1,125, 1,130. And then we went 1,223 to break his record. Nice. And then I was that squat at relentless, the 1,223. Uh huh. Well, I was the 12th person to ever squat 1,200 pounds. Oh, okay. So. I routed out what's called the, oh, that's the sticky itchy. Oh, routed out the dirty dozen. Nice. Oh, that is painful. Oh. There's some discomfort for yeah. you. Yeah. Oh. So I'm driving my elbow into his side right oh. now. Yeah, all the way through <laughs> the other side. All the, all the way through. The all the way through. And, yep. oh, goodness gracious. But it should help take some pressure off your ribs. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so it's like so, how we talk about discomfort, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's painful. Uh-huh. That oh, is terribly painful. But I know when you're done, I'm going to feel way better. Nice. Yep. So it's it's pushing yourself through these little levels or instances of discomfort, right? Oh, that burns. Oh, so that you get to feel better when it's all said and done, right? Yeah. Oh. So Relentless is a fundraiser for Hope Kids. Yeah, so Hope Can Kids... Can you tell us is, a little more about that? Yeah, so Hope Kids is like Make-A-Wish, right? Okay. More on a regional scale, not national, right? Uh-huh. But what they do is they put on a calendar of free events for kids with terminal illnesses, right? Yeah. So they partner with the local hockey teams and baseball teams and professional sporting events and, you know, movie tickets and days at the, the dinosaur parks, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, so they, yeah. they really do put on a calendar of free events so that families who are going through similar circumstances uh-huh. can get together so that kids don't have to worry about doctor's appointments or needles yeah, or tests yeah, or scans yeah. or... The kids are all going through something similar, so it gives them that bond uh-huh. of getting through it, right? So they tell you at Relentless, during rules meeting, and this is going to kick you right in the guts the first time you hear it. Yeah. So they tell you that some of these kids have had this event circled on their calendar since uh, last year. Oh, wow. Okay? Then they go, some of these kids won't make next year's event. Oh. And you're like, seriously? And then you see him, right? Uh-huh. There was a little girl that had a uh, a pick line, and she had to carry a backpack uh-huh. that delivers medication for her heart. Wow. And she's on an oxygen line. Uh-huh. And she's at the event, like, cheering uh-huh. us on. So it's like, is what you're going through really that bad? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like... There was another girl that, oh, that one is spicy. Oh, it hurts. Um, There was another girl that's on uh, a trach. She's on a ventilator, Hmm. right? Because she can't breathe on her own. And then all these other kids with all these other ailments are all there on stage just in awe of what you do. Yeah. yeah, They don't care if you lift 10 pounds. They don't care if you lift 10,000 pounds, right? Yeah. Just the fact that you're there putting on a show giving them something to take their mind off of all of their 
appointments and procedures yeah, and tests yeah, yeah. and all this other stuff. I mean, it's just an amazing experience. And it's so cool. When you get home, right, they call it the relentless hangover. And I was kind of like, yeah, 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 right? Like, I'm a tough guy, right? Uh-huh. So that Wednesday, it hit me. The Wednesday after the meet. Oh. I was sitting in my office, staring at the wall, and I just kind of went, I don't want to be here. Huh. Like, I'd rather be helping those kids, right? Or they're going to yeah, do something yeah, else, yeah. right? So it's like, it really does hit everybody in a different way. But yeah, that relentless hangover, the first time you get one is, it's rough. Huh. It, it definitely puts into perspective everything that you do. Yeah. And yeah, everything yeah. that you have, right? Like, right. Yeah. So, yeah, relentless is an amazing thing. We're going back this year. Okay. So. They haven't had it the last two years. Because right? of COVID. Right. right. Yeah. Because COVID, it's not worth you know, getting around terminally ill kids, yeah. you know, bringing that junk to them. But this uh-huh. year, they've announced they're going to do it. It's going to be smaller than it was okay. the last couple of years. Instead of being a two-day event, it's going to be a one-day event. Um, it'll be the first uh, weekend in July, or the second weekend in July. Okay. So I'll be in Minnesota. Nice. One of the other guys from the team is going. Um, is, is Brandon going? Yeah, so Brandon will go. Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, if I'm not able to compete, we're going to have Navy take my place. Oh, cool. So, I feel like he needs to experience that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, so we're planning on going back. So, we'll be posting our uh, our fundraising pages in the next couple of days. By the time this comes out, they may have already been posted. But you can donate if you have if you're a business owner. Uh-huh. If you donate, they're a full-blown charity, so it's you also get a tax write-off. Okay. Right, so right. if any corporate sponsors out there are looking for a tax write-off, you know, this is another way to, to raise funds for an amazing organization. So they're in Minnesota, Tennessee, Arizona, Texas, Kansas City, and... I think they just announced they're opening up a new location, but I don't remember where. Uh-huh. So... I didn't realize they were all over like that. Yeah, so they're all over. So and you've just been to Minnesota? I've, well, that's the, the that's main the, event, right? Okay, okay, yeah. So that's the main event. And and when we go, right, Relentless raises over $200,000 every year they host this thing. Really? I mean, it's been absolutely ridiculous, uh-huh. right? That's enough money for the Hope Kids Foundation to basically start a new chapter in a wow. new state and help it get funded yeah, yeah, and yeah. running until enough sponsors come in to help it run itself, uh-huh. right? So the work that that Scott Nutter and Priest does out there in Minnesota and, you know, the guy that runs Hope Kids, Jeff... I mean, they're just amazing people. Yeah. And the thing, the work that they're doing out there for Hope Kids is just, it's awesome. It's a fun thing to be a part of. So. That's cool. Yeah. yeah I'll have to, I'll have to get a link from you. Yeah. For, for donating. And then uh, we'll throw it on the, on the description of the podcast or whatever. Okay. We'll, yeah. We'll make it so, so people can find it. No, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Because the donation, I mean, it really does. It goes to kids with terminal illnesses and, uh-huh. you know, it just helps those kids have a calendar of free events that them yeah. and their families can go to. So. Oh, that's great. It's amazing. Love it. Yeah. I'm excited to see my Hope Kid again. Yeah. My yeah. yeah. So kid. do you have like a, a sponsored kid or. Yeah. So they do. You can, go lift you, at, you can go lift at the event. Right. Uh-huh. Or you can be a part of what's called Team Hope. Okay. And so. 
Team Hope is where they pair you up with a family and they encourage you to make a genuine connection. Yeah, right? like, yeah, yeah. Be that person that that kid can talk to or have a good time with and stay in contact with them, right? It's not just because you're there lifting for them. Right, right. Like, right. They really want you to build lasting relationships with these kids. And okay. My little guy, Caden, he's got a condition called HABC. Uh-huh. And it often mimics cerebral palsy, so it sometimes gets misdiagnosed. Okay. And basically what it is is the melanin sheath around his nerves begins to deteriorate. Yeah. So his motor function goes, right? He's nonverbal, but his smile, holy crap, Marvel, <laughs> his smile lights up the whole auditorium. Oh, that's So he's cool. just one of those kids that when you bring him in the room, like everybody just absolutely loves him. Yeah. His smile's amazing. Oh. His mom is an absolute sweetheart, right? His dad is is an awesome guy. His his older brother Colton uh-huh. is such a stud. The dude plays football, lacrosse, and is like an amazing older brother to Caden, oh, right? Awesome, yeah. So we're excited to get back out there and go see everybody. And, yeah, for sure. You know, to go out and put on a good show and raise a bunch of money, like that's what it's about. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. So tell me about Tractor's Barbecue. Are you still still doing that? <laughs> We're, we're done, but we'll keep talking. For yeah, a no, I'm still doing. <laughs> I'm still doing tractors barbecue. The wife and I still do it uh-huh. when we have time. You know, I work full time and she works full time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then four nights a week at the gym. Right, right. Busy, so busy man. Yeah, we kind of leave it to <laughs> catering for friends and family. But uh-huh. yeah, and you cater some of the events. Yeah, so like anytime we host a powerlifting event, I right. cater that. Right. So we'll sit around and we'll uh, we'll barbecue and hang out and feed everybody. And go from there. But yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that barbecue's kind of slowly becoming a passion, Uh more so, and the thing is, is I like to just sit and talk to people, right? I want to hear your story. I want to hear their story. What makes you tick, right? What better way to do that than over food? Absolutely. Right? Food's been bringing people together for... Eons, right? Eons. On a time, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's my love of food, right? And and I make, I feel like it's good barbecue and I I get a lot of compliments on it. It's won a few competitions. Uh But it's it's not something that we want to take mainstream. It's not something we want to turn into a business. It's, we literally just want to cook for small and intimate. Yeah, for good people, right? Like we've done weddings and we've done a few big things. Like the most we've ever cooked for is 300 people. Okay. In one go, right? Uh And that, that ran us ragged. <laughs> I bet. But, yeah, I mean, you can find us at tractorsbarbecue.com, uh, so tractorsbbq, nice. um, Instagram, tractorsbbq, Facebook, you know, it's got a little John Deere uh-huh. colored, you know. Your, your logo. My awesome. logos, yeah, yeah, right? It's, it's a little tractor. <laughs> a friend of mine, Christina Palau, she made it for uh-huh. me, so. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, it started as... I got to cook a lot of food because I got to eat a lot of food. Right, right. right. And so smoking was an easy way to cook big cuts of meat. Yeah, for sure. And just hang out all day. Uh Uh-huh. And then it turned into, this is pretty good. And then you start (laughs) sharing it with guys you work with. Uh And then it was, hey, can you cook the company party? Nice. And then it was, oh, hey, my daughter's getting married. Can you feed 150 people? And then it just grew from there, right? So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tractor's Barbecue, I mean, it's just a little love side passion of mine that if the doctor came to me and said, you can either power lift or you can barbecue. Uh, I don't know. That'd be a tough toss up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank I, you for having me. I'm glad we did it when we were uh, getting this massage done. Cause yeah, I yeah, yeah. What, my body definitely needed it. <laughs> killed two birds with one stone. It's Absolutely. Been, it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, you're welcome. And uh, maybe we'll talk to you again sometime on I would the love to be back. I would love awesome. to come back. Maybe uh, maybe after <laughs> Relentless we can do something again. Okay, yeah, yeah. Maybe We'd we'll bring a couple of the guys. You know what we should do is we should probably get Coach in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think, honestly, because with some of the stuff that he's going through, uh-huh. the benefits of discomfort, right, I right. think would be perfect for him. Yeah. So yeah, maybe yeah. that's another person you I can bring it. in. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tractor. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>